0: Welcome to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. I'm Dr. Mudgill. Through this podcast, I'll be sharing stories that I find personally inspiring and that I know will inspire you too. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Eric Coleman, a former player for the New York Jets. He's overcome a tremendous amount of adversity to make it to the top. This story will surely inspire you. All right. Well, welcome to my podcast. I couldn't be more excited to have Eric Coleman here, who I've known for a few years, and uh, I'm fortunate to call a friend. Um, I'm sure you, all you guys know who Eric is, but uh, he's star former NFL player for the uh, for the Jets, and uh, played some with the Falcons and mm-hmm. Detroit for a bit as well. know yep. And uh, now he's very involved in uh, broadcasting and a whole bunch of other things. And yeah, I couldn't be more honored to have you here, man, with me. Oh, it's a pleasure. You
1: know, anytime. You know, you, you give me a call.
0: I'll make sure I can can make it and come through. I, I really do appreciate that, man. Um, so I guess, you know, Eric, as I was telling you, the, this podcast really is about inspirational stories and to try to like just get, let anyone who wants to hear this sort of stuff know that, you know, there's sort of like a can do itness to anything. You know, it's mm-hmm. all sort of your attitude and, um, you know, just grinding through, hustling, grinding through any adversity that we face. And I'm sure in your life and in your career, there's just been a tremendous amount of that. And, you know, you are someone who performed at the highest possible levels. And, you know, I'm sure you had to endure a lot, you know, whether whether it be injuries or family stuff or personal stuff. Um, I'm sure there's an element of all of those things that I'd definitely love to touch on. Um, and I think just hearing your story and getting your story out there, it's just, you know, this, my hope is that there's thousands, if not more people, that can benefit from you know learning how you grind it through all that stuff
1: yeah you know uh life is is a crazy journey you know and you know i'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason and and god wouldn't put you through something if he didn't know that it was gonna if you can get through it and you know growing up for me i have an older sister seven years older than me younger brother two years younger uh we born in sacramento california mm-hmm. when i was about six years old we moved up to spokane washington and you know my parents relationship was tough you know they you know my my father was a truck driver my mother was a social worker so he was on the road all the time he was on the road a lot and when he was home you know he was drinking yeah you know my father was a a serious alcoholic and uh, both of my parents were on crack cocaine Uh so uh, i I discovered that you know going through my life you know there's always some it was always a lot of adversity. You know, I seen my, I seen my dad break my mom's nose. Oh my God. You know, I've seen, you know, fights, you know, all kinds of bad things growing up. But once I hit that age of 11, it was like something popped in my head. Like what's going on? Went into my parents' room, found drug paraphernalia. You know, that's when I found wow. out for sure that, it, that they were addicted to drugs. So I was like
0: a sixth grader.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I was fifth grade. grade. It was okay. like fifth grade. I'm like crying, you know, why me? You, yeah. you know, and, and I always went through that. Like, you know, why me? And um, you know, I, so were you
0: already playing football at that point? You know, yeah, part, I was yeah. playing
1: flag football, basketball, baseball. Yeah. I, I was always playing all the sports at at the East Central Community Center. Uh-huh. You know, that that was kind of the place where we went to get away, uh, during, especially during the summers. We spent camp there. But after I found that out. I tried to shield my brother from it. You know, okay. I had a younger brother. My sister your was kind of already there. aware. Yeah, my sister right, was aware, so. but she was like out of the house. Mm-hmm. She had moved back to California, and so um, shortly after that, my parents got divorced. Okay. Um, I, I saw my dad before I went to school, and I, I remember I kissed him goodbye. Came home from school. Did you look up to your dad though? Like it was. You know stuck? what? I had like a fear of my dad. Uh-huh. I had like a like a, a. I respected him, but I was more. It was more out of fear because right, right, right. I didn't know which kind of which you person I was going to get. Yeah. Away. So, you know, I remember coming home from school and the car was gone and then all his stuff was gone and my mom was there. I said, mom, why are you here from work? She's like, your dad left. And you know, we didn't have a car. It was just me, my brother, and my mom at the time. You know, all the bills. Uh, shortly after that, we got she was, work, she was working. She was working, but you know, she was addicted to drugs. Right. So she had her her things that she was battling, which, you don't understand that when you're that young. Right. Like, would you go to your games and stuff? She would go to my games. My mom was always there. You know, she right. was supportive. She always did what she had to do. You know, we didn't feel poor. Right. You know, we were, we were always struggling. We had to go to the food banks to get food, but my brother and I never really considered ourselves poor. Right. You know, we always had what we needed. So, you know, my mom was a great provider. You know, even though she was battling these, these demons. And um, shortly after that, we got evicted. We had to move to the other side of town, live with my grandma for a little bit. So your grandma was from Spokane? My grandmother, yeah. she um, They moved from Sacramento to Spokane, everybody. Okay. So we all from Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was rough. You know, I, I went through a lot of tough times. Um, Did you ever reconnect with your dad or was that I reconnect so after my parents got divorced I didn't hear from my father for like four years mm-hmm. and that was a tough time in our lives after that we reconnected uh when I was in high school you know my dad never came to any of my games mm-hmm. and when I was in high school I was a senior I had a bunch of scholarship offers my brother and I were both on the varsity team my brother was two years younger oh. did and he did you da- play
0: professionally also
1: my dad never played a sport no your brother did he? oh no no oh, he didn't okay. he played a little bit in college but he went the business route and um my father came to a game, and I remember being at the game and being so upset that he was there, that I had like tears in my eyes yeah, during man. the game, and it was my worst game of high school. Wow. But I went on, you know, we repaired the relationship. We, know, we safety, sat down. High school in high school, I played running back and okay. cornerback. Okay. I was a little smaller. Perfect. And when I got recruited, um, well, first I'll get to, when I first got recruited, my mom was in prison. My mom went to prison my senior year of high school. I wasn't going so to play any more sports. I lived with my friends. My brother serious? went and live with some friends and so it was you a, been living with your brother? No, we we separated and lived with different friends. We went to the same school and I would always check up on them Wait, but you so gotta back up a little bit. Yeah. There. So when did all that happen? So that happened when I was before my senior year of high school. Uh, my mom, it was funny because my mom took us school shopping and she took us on this trip and we had never really been school shopping before. And we were like, Mom, you know, what's up? Why are we going to school shopping? Like, where do we get this money from? And my mom said, you know, I had been doing some bad things at work. You know she was embezzling money yeah. to support her drug habit and she said i'm going to prison and yeah. so my brother and i were like you know you know what what is it? like my oh, mom right. in prison you know my dad was already in jail my dad was in jail for a year oh, but even but i hadn't yeah. seen him it was um something for drinking and driving oh, yeah i think he hurt somebody pretty bad oh. driving drunk and um you know my brother and i were like what are we gonna do we had to kind of figure it out and so all this time I was getting recruited by colleges. I had to go on my college visits by myself. And my mom was in prison. I picked my college, took my SATs. I found out about my SAT score because I was pretty close. My wow. grades weren't the best. Wow. And I had to get a certain score wow. on my college test to get in, on my SAT to get into college. And I was living with one of my coaches at the time. I remember going to my house. My house was empty. I went and checked the mail. And I sat down on the floor and I saw that it was a letter. I opened it up. And I, and I passed, and I, wow, and I made it. Yeah. And I remember just crying on the floor. Oh, my, you know, my mom was in jail, I wrote her a note, you know, on the back of my, um, my letter of intent, my national letter of intent to college, and she still has the letter, which wow. is pretty cool. You know, telling her I'm proud of her. You know, I know that she made some bad choices in her life, but she always made sure that we, my brother and I wow. had. You Are know, you guys know. tied
0: down, like you're your mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah we My you
1: mom know? lives in uh, Washington State. Okay. Um, all my family is on the West Coast. I'm so the only one. My sisters your brother. Mm-hmm. There, my it? sisters in Seattle. My brothers in Spokane, and uh, we're all we're all pretty close. You know, especially my brother and I. Oh, wow. I kind of raised my yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, he so, never so it's, it's all good. You know, my mom has been sober for 15 years. Uh, my dad's doing great. He he's been sober for like three years. You guys have a
0: good relationship. You're yeah, great.
1: we talk. You know, yeah. we talk on the phone. I don't see him much, but you know, I see my I see my mother quite a bit. Yeah, my brother and I are doing great. My brother, I'm proud of him. He's a great father, has three kids. Oh, wow. My, sister's, kid. my right. sister's an amazing woman. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's really been a blessing. Wow. You know, going through the ups and downs in life and, you know, really, you know, I used to question, you know, why me? Why me? But now that I went through the NFL, well, I went through this long journey, and I'm after, now that I'm done playing sports, right. now I'm in the drug addiction world. And I understand why I went through what I went through. Right. You know, it was to teach me these lessons so I can help other people. Right. So now, you know, that's one of the things that I'm doing is is we have uh, some drug rehab uh, facilities, detox facilities, and I'm doing prevention. You know, I'm talking to high schoolers. I'm talking to junior high school kids, uh, trying to keep them off drugs because there's nothing good that happens with right. it. So it, it's really been a blessing in disguise and, and
0: really helped me grow as a person. That's amazing. man. It's funny how life does kind of. You, know, you go through these weird winding roads, man, but mm-hmm. you know, if you just believe in whatever path you're on, it just always ends up at the right place. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's been sort of like that in my life too. It's pretty wild. Um, that's awesome, man. I mean, that's, that's a mouthful of a story. Yeah, it's been, it's been and
1: I've been blessed, you know, playing in the NFL you know, going through
0: college, you know, first of all, getting to college. Yeah. So what, just, uh, just walking through, I'm sure the hopefully there's some young athletes that are listening to this. So mm-hmm. you were obviously a very gifted athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. When did you know that, okay, you know, like I'm going to, Get a scholarship to college. Like I know I'm going to be playing.
1: Yeah, that was that was that's funny because I, you know playing sports in high school. Cause I played basketball, football, and baseball. Did you have to choose between them? No, I never guys? had to choose. Thankfully, uh-huh. you know I I just kept me active. Mm-hmm. You know I always just had fun with it, and I didn't think I was that good. You know I knew I had some skills, right. and when I was a sophomore, I made the varsity team, and I remember never playing in the game until like halfway through the year something happened and I got to play, and I scored a couple of touchdowns, and I was I was really small, so they let me play. Uh, junior year had a pretty solid year, and I started getting letters from colleges. And I said, what? I thought I was- All all over the country? Yeah, all over the country, mostly West Coast though, Mm -hmm. but but some some back East. And I remember getting these letters like, I thought I was going to the Marines. Like, you know, I wanted to be an FBI agent, go to the Marines, be an FBI agent, because I thought that was my only way out. And so I started getting these letters. I said, okay, let me, let me start working harder. So I took it more serious. So um, you started training harder? Yeah, I started training harder. Started was it like, like
0: private coaching really then? Like a, no,
1: wow. no, no private coaching. I lived across the street from middle school. So I used to kind of go over to the, to the field and run and do my back pedaling and my running back drill, just all mental yeah. training, you know, just, just right. imagining myself in situations. And uh, I continued to work. So, was there like a big
0: improvement like between like that season and the next season?
1: Yeah, there was. You know, I gained a little weight going into my senior year. Before my senior year, I got invited to the Washington State football camp. Okay. And it was all, you know, high school athletes, teams. And, and I went there um, and got MVP of the camp. Oh, wow. And I was like man I guess I'm pretty cool okay. and then later on they offered me a scholarship but like I had
0: summer yeah that summer so going
1: there. into my senior year they had offered me a scholarship you know I was still playing basketball still playing um, uh, actually I stopped playing baseball I ran track that mm-hmm. year but um I started getting you know, all these calls I went on a couple of recruiting trips I went to Oregon State went to Montana Idaho um, I got an offer from San Diego State and I ended up going to Washington State, which is an hour and a half from Spokane, right. Washington. And it wasn't because it was close. It was because I felt at home there. Right. You know, you you know, it was, you a, it was there a family atmosphere. Yeah. You knew the coaches. I had like a cousin that was going to school there. Oh, okay. So it just, it just felt more like home, you know, especially with my mom being away in prison. Uh, it was nice being kind of close. When did she get out? She got out midway through my freshman year. Okay. Of, of college but she was so football season she got to check it she got to watch a couple games okay. so that was that was awesome you know my mom used to come to my games uh, after after the game she'd go to my apartment cook oh, for wow. all my friends oh, wow. we get some home cooking oh, it, awesome. it
0: was nice you it was a really had special time really your mom. At the
1: time. no I didn't you know there, there were times where I was I was a little bitter but I understood yeah you know especially um, you know it, it just made it tough you know I felt more sorry for her right. you know I'd go visit my mom in prison and you know, see my mom in this cage, and I'm like, this is my mom. How can she be wow. in this situation, you know? And, you know, but it, but that's what it took to get her clean. That's what it took to so to, to reset her she mind. Yeah, she, was, she got clean while she was in prison and hasn't done did drugs ever her, or since. Or just they just did, a, okay. they helped her, they had some classes in there. But, you know, a lot of it was mentally just, she, I think she hit rock bottom. Right. She's like, it was like, what change. am I doing right now? My son is, my, you know, my, my boys are going to college. My right. son is a star football player, and I'm sitting here in a cage, right. you know? So, so she's, she's done great. She, she got her um, associate's degree. Oh, wow. She's a deaconess at the church. Oh, wow. She works at the church. And, uh, you know, she's, my mom's doing great. I tell, her, I tell my mom every time I speak to her how proud I am of her. Yeah. You know, just remind her, like, Mom, you know, I'm proud of you. You Because know, she overcame a lot That's powerful. and she did a lot of it on her own. So That's I incredible. get a lot of my strength from my mom, a lot of my will,
0: and a lot of my fight from her. That's awesome, man. I mean, man, I, could, I could see how much love you have for your mom. Yeah, she's she got special. a tad on my forearm. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, did you play four years in college?
1: Yeah, so in college, so, so typically when you go to a big university, there's a redshirt year mm-hmm. and there was an injury, something happened to someone ahead of me. So, so you don't play. A lot of people don't, but I—they threw me in, and I played. Okay. You know, I was 18 years old playing against Stanford. It was my first wow. game, and I remember getting my butt kicked a little bit. And You were still a running back then. So when I got to college, I played running back and cornerback in high school. I got to college, thinking I was going to play cornerback because mm-hmm. I thought I was small. As soon as I got to college, they were like, uh, "You're a safety," and I said, "Safety? Wow. I never played safety before." But you know, yeah, and it was the best move ever. You know, I had so much fun. I love that position. But as I went into college. I played, I played safety my first oh, year, corner my second year, oh, and then safety my last two years. Okay. It was all out of need, you know, having oh, really to having the need, fill the yeah. gaps, yeah. So I did play four years. I had to, I had to leave college after, uh, so three and a half years, so mm-hmm. to prepare for the NFL draft. So but,
0: did you know, like, so wh- what's that all about? So, the, like, you know, like, you're really good. Mm-hmm. Did agents reach out to you, or, like, did how do you know that so, you... So I
1: didn't so that was funny because I didn't know either when I was in college I was just playing ball and when I was a sophomore in college I had a we had a house and it was my quarterback Jason Gesser Mm -hmm. uh, my roommate uh, who was continued to be my roommate Hamza Abdullah and then Lamont Thompson who was a couple years older than Mm -hmm. us Lamont Thompson was a a safety he broke every Pac-12 record for interceptions. He was great So that year after my sophomore year, he got drafted in the second round of the draft, and I said, so you he knew he left college and went into the draft. Yeah, he went yeah. into the draft. And you can't test
0: the you couldn't test
1: the waters. No, the, you can't no. test the waters yeah. in football. Yeah. So, but he he had played his four years, five years because he had the injury, um, and I looked at it. I said he got drafted in the second round. Now I know I'm, I'm not as good as him, but I think if I work hard, I can I could maybe make something happen. Yeah. So. Hamza and I we started working after practice every day trying to get better, you know, just took it more serious You know, we we focused on our academics, but football was you know, we weren't partying as much We were just hanging and and working on our craft the next year uh, One of my other close friends Marcus Trufant got drafted with the 11th pick overall to the Seahawks And I said, you know, I remember running down the street celebrating for him and saying man I got to do it, you know, so so going into my senior year a lot of guys get recruited by agents You know, they'll make phone calls, Um, they'll pay for your training going into the Combine. And I had actually got invited to the NFL Combine, which only 300 players get invited to. And so that was a big surprise for me. I said, you know what, maybe I I may get drafted. You know, I had a good year. I was the captain of my team, I was all conference, I was on some All-American polls, you know, I had a pretty good year. And I remember, I couldn't find an agent though. Oh wow! No agents would sign me. I was calling agents, and most people were getting recruited by them. Like, what? Do you, you ever pin down why? Or you know, I think my draft grade wasn't that high. I was a mid to late round draft mm-hmm. pick. Um, it was a risk for agents okay. because typically they'll they pay for the yeah they'll pay, they'll pay for your your training for your um, your the NFL combine right. They'll uh, pay for your lodging in hopes of getting it back when right. you get, get that contract. Right. Yeah, right. so I couldn't find an agent. I called. Um, Thomas Weatherspoon, who was a trainer down in uh, Alameda, California, where a lot of the top guys were going. Oh. And I talked to him. I said, listen, I can't find an agent. I don't have any money. Is there anything you can do for me? Can I pay you back if I make it to the NFL? And he said, absolutely. Come down, really? get training. You're going to the combine. I believe in you. Wow. And so I, I went down to California. Did he know you? Like He had known me because my buddy Lamont trained and I had met him a few times. Okay. So he, you know, he had watched wow. me because he'd been following my college. And I I went down to California. My uncle lived in Oakland, which is right by Alameda. He gave me his 1982 Volkswagen to drive back and forth. I stayed at it, extended stay, Um, and I started training. And all the guys that were there, they had agents. So they had they had been fronted all this money. Did those guys all make it? Like not all of them. Not all of them. But a lot of them had rental cars and they had all this money in their pocket. And I was struggling. I was out of college. So I would just train. You know, that's all I did. They were going to party, I was training. I was doing push-ups in my room, squats, you know, just trying to get better because that's all I knew was the work. And eventually I got an agent. He paid for my training. And so that kind of worked out. But when the draft came, Half, about half the guys, a lot of the guys who were projected to go in front of me, they went after me.
0: Oh, wow. They got
1: drafted at, behind me. Some didn't get drafted. And then the ones who got drafted in front of me, I ended up playing longer than them right. in the NFL. You so it took
0: a really long time. Yeah, it was a blessing. It's mean, uncharacteristically long. Time.
1: Yeah, it was a blessing. You know, the average career is around three years, and I was able to play nine. and. Um, you know, I, I credit God for that. I, I have a tough work ethic, and I had to grow up fast. Yeah. So it turned me into a man. So while everyone right. else was enjoying their time, I took it as a job. Right. When, I, when I was a freshman in college, I took it as a job. That's right. why I played early. When I was a rookie, I took it as a job. So I, I studied. I didn't go out partying. I got, I got drafted to the New York Jets. Yeah, that's You a, know, and it was... It's a tough place to be a rookie. Yeah, right it, was, a it, it, was, yeah. it was tough, and you know, Getting drafted to New York everyone had you know, you have money in your pocket of 21 years old a lot of temptation Of course, I always kept football first. I-, I always knew this was the reason why I'm here football was the reason I'm here mm-hmm. I have to make sure I keep that first and working hard I, I Came in as a rookie in many- in training camp and took over the starting job never gave it back you know, it was um second day of training camp when someone ahead of me got hurt, I filled in for him and never gave his yeah. job back. I think you're like broke, are you broke regularly your
0: rookie, right?
1: Yeah, I, so there's this thing called the player performance pool. Yeah. And since I was a fifth round draft pick, um, based on where you are picked or how much money you make and the percentage of plays that you play, there's an equation. You get paid at the end right. of the year, so and you basically have, get a
0: minimum or whatever it is. for yeah. that, you know, and where you yeah,
1: right. so you get a minimum salary, and then after you, after the season, you get compensated for oh, how much performance you played. Base, right? Yeah, performance-based pay is what it's called. And I played ninety-nine percent of the downs wow. as a rookie. That's crazy. And I didn't even know about this bonus. And after my rookie year, I went back to college to finish my degree because I had to leave early and i was in there training and i remember my agent called me and said you just broke a record on the rookie performance pay and i said what's that and he said you get paid you know he explained it to me yeah. and i doubled my salary wow that's crazy and i remember it being in the weight room and just that's screaming like i threw the phone right? i was so happy It was like life changing it was it, it right? was life changing
0: and you know it was it was really a blessing to come into the nfl and then like, so after that so you're obviously like a guy who's playing a lot hmm finish your, your rookie year, you got this record. Is there a contract the next year? So when I got drafted, I signed a four-year contract. At the minimum?
1: Yeah, at the rookie okay. at the rookie minimum. Based on where I was drafted, I got a signing bonus. Okay. So it's pretty much slotted. Okay. You know, you, you have the first round guys, second round, and you look at where you're drafted, you see how much the guy in front of you who got oh, drafted in front yeah. of you got paid, and behind you, and you're somewhere in the yeah. middle. Right. So there's no real negotiation. So okay. um, I signed a four-year deal. Uh-huh. I played that deal out. You played all four years. I played all four years for the Jets. So did
0: you make less your second year than your first year?
1: So I made more. So the 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 minimum pay goes up for each gotcha. year you play. So
0: even despite the bonus, you made more your second year because you got a big bonus after your first year. I got year. I got another bonus my second oh, year. Sorry. You know,
1: so so it was it was nice. So okay. you know it was definitely a blessing. But um, I played out my rookie contract, and it was time to be a free agent.
0: Most guys don't even make it that four years.
1: No. right? No, and it takes you three three years to get vested, to get the retirement and the so pension benefits. Yeah, Maybe. so a lot of guys don't make it to that retirement right. to get those benefits. And it's three years for a number, I mean, probably, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. So it's three years for, for a reason and most right. guys don't make it that long. But another disappointment in my career was going through the free agency process. So I was rated probably the second or third best safety coming out of free agency right. at that time. And the two guys who were rated in front of me, they all got these huge contracts. And then, me, when it was time for me to get paid, I look at my contract and I said, it's like a third of what they got. Right. You know, why is that? I still don't know to this day why it happened like that. But I tell my wife all the time, I believe I didn't get that money because it helped keep me hungry right. after football. Right. You know, so that, that's, that's one yeah. way of looking at it. And that's kind of the way that's I've always looked at life. Glasses have glasses empty, right? Exactly. I mean, clearly
0: glasses have full kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So you stayed on with the Jets for your second
1: year. my My second contract,
0: I signed with the Atlanta Falcons. You did, okay. Yeah,
1: so met my wife my last year in New York. We got married, moved to Atlanta, had a baby, and started our family down there in Atlanta. Oh, wow. And um, then, you know, I played. Where I did you live?
0: To, at, I, went to, I went to Emory. So, oh, you no, went to Emory?
1: Okay. So I was up north in Suwanee. Okay. Because our facility for the Falcons is in Flowery Branch, which is about an hour north of okay. Buckhead,
0: yeah. Gotcha. It was in the country. So you used to like come in for the game. You to drive in for the games. Mm-hmm. I had to drive in for the games. I love Atlanta. It's awesome. That Still happens. one of my favorite places. Have you been back recently? It's crazy. Yeah. Man, it's it's, it's really like developed
1: a lot. everything, you know, Mr. Blank has done a lot. Um, Arthur Blank, the you know, he's the founder of Home Depot and the owner of the Falcons. He does so much in the community. You know, he, he's trying to build it up as much as he can with the inner city. That's one thing I learned with the Falcons was. The importance of giving back. Right. You know, every Tuesday was our day off. And every Tuesday, every player would get involved in the community oh, wow. and go help out kids, go read to some kids, you know, do, do something right. for the community. Cause you're blessed to be in that position. Totally. You know, and that's and you're, that you're, was something that you're heroes. So. Yeah, we're we're heroes and we can make a difference right. in their lives. So that's something that I learned playing in the NFL is like you get this huge platform where everybody listens to what you have to say. And it's very important with that blessing that you do something with it right. and i've tried to continue that after i'm done playing with you know blessing other people helping people um go get through different circumstances right. you know i'm a kid who, who comes from the bottom
0: yeah
1: you know with, with hard work with dedication with a positive mindset i was able to come out of that absolutely you know and, and keeping that work ethic and staying focused on on the task at hand you know i'm able to continue to grow right
0: you know, so why don't we talk a little bit about like what you're doing now mm-hmm. post NFL? I know you're doing a lot of TV stuff, radio stuff, still involved with football, but there's also you do stuff outside of football as well. You touch on that a little bit with the rehab facilities and, um, but yeah, why don't you walk us through how your hustle continues? Like you know, yeah,
1: it's been it's been a blessing. You know, ever since I got done playing football. I've been more busy than I was playing. Now, did people reach out to you, say, "Hey, or, you know, we want you to commentate for the Jets"? Or? So, with with the broadcasting, how that came about? So, when I got so my last year, um, I played in Detroit. Right. So I got cut with four games left in the season, and that was a tough time because I had never really been cut before. Mm-hmm. Um, how I, old were you then? I was 30, 31 years old. Okay. Thirty one years old. Old
0: man in the NFL. Yeah,
1: I was an old right. man. Yeah. So I get cut, um, I go home. You know, it's funny when you get cut in the NFL because you, they ask you to come to the facility. So I drive up to the facility, like put in my code, park at my spot, and there's two people waiting for me. And they're escorting me through my locker. They take me to the general manager, to the coach's office, to, for them to all thank uh-huh. me. And, and then they walk me to my locker. They're like, grab what you can. And we'll send the, the rest of the stuff home to you. So I'm like, I played nine years in the NFL, wow. and this is how it ends. That's crazy. The next week, I'm at home, and I get a box delivered. It's my pads, it's my shampoo, it's my cleats, it's my workout wow. shorts from my locker. It's like it's over. That's crazy. That's your career right there in a box.
0: That's
1: insane. Yeah, and, and that's how it ends, and, and that's why it's tough for a lot of lot of guys after they're done. You just watching football. You just watching the rest of the season. Did yeah. You even watch? No, I didn't. That year, I, I couldn't stand football. Yeah. You know, it was it was the worst. Um, you know, a lot of guys go through this. It's like you achieved greatness. You're the yeah. best in the world at what you do. You've been identified as Eric Coleman, the football player, right. your whole life. You know, I've always been Eric Coleman, the athlete. I think
0: and uh, Vinny has a signed football
1: from Eric Coleman. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to sign another one for you, but it's um, it's cool because like when I was playing, I was always like, I'm, I'm Eric Coleman. I'm more than an athlete. Right. Once I got fired. I was like, I'm Eric, I'm more than the athlete, but what am I? Right. You Your know, identity is just like. Yeah, I have no identity. Impression. I just, you know, like I was depressed. Skills. I went dark for a year. You know, I would, I would see Did football. You go into a, like an, I was depressed. I was depressed for, I was for about eight months. You know, I would be doing. I'd wake up one day, I'd be doing okay. I'd go to the gym to work out, and somebody would say, Hey, Eric, you played for the Jets? Oh, the Giants need a safety. I'd go dark. Yeah. Or I'd be sitting at home, and the TV, a football highlight would come on. I go dark. You know, and it was wow. I was really tough on my family, tough on my wife. Right. And one day my wife said, You know, you're mean. You know, I don't like how you treat the kids. I don't like how you're treating me. You know, you're you're always negative. You didn't mope around the house. You need to get help. And so I broke down. You know, I didn't realize it. You know, when you're in the depression, you don't realize that you're going through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I I just, I started crying. I prayed. I I called up one of my, one of my guys, our player development director from the Falcons and with the Jets, uh, Kevin Winston, who's a good friend of mine. I, I called him. I said, Kevin, I don't know what to do. You know, and he took me to this business school. They had a summit that they put on for former players, and they had a bunch of employers there. They helped you with your resume. Oh, right. You went through mock interviews, and I went to that to that um, expo, and after three days, I had three job offers. Wow. And I said, you know what? I can do something that outside of this game. I, I, my, the skills that I learned playing football apply to the real world. You know, the hard work and the accountability, the leadership, you know, all those things apply to the real world. Right. And it took that to, to kind of put that in my mind. But the way I got into this, to what I'm doing now with Core Medical, is I was a patient at the clinic. Core Medical, I would get vitamin IVs to replenish myself after games. I would do do supplements, and I was always curious. Right. So I was always like, you know, what is this doing for me? Why does this help? I feel great, why? Right. I started slowly, when I was training, I would go in and work. I would sit in on the doctor's appointments. I would sit at the clinic and ask questions. And I got close with the with the president of the company, oh, wow. Sidney Gordon. And one day we were at, at dinner, and he said, "Eric, you're done playing football. Why don't we open up a clinic in New York and you run it?" And I said, "Okay, I'd
0: love to do that." Right. But that was another another transformation yeah. for me. So I went. In, we opened the clinic. So when your mind sort of opens up. Yeah being receptive to opportunities. There's more opportunities than you know what to do with.
1: Exactly. So I start, once I started doing that, I forgot about football. I wasn't depressed anymore. I put my energy towards core medical. But that was a humbling experience, because right. now I had to go from being the football player who everybody wanted to do something with, right. now I had to call people and ask so for their the business. business. Yeah. And I was getting hung up on. I was getting doors right. slammed in my face. And I was never an arrogant guy, never too confident. Yeah. And I was always pretty humble, but that really Humbled me, right. you know, to, to learn that I have to put in this work right. to get be successful. Right. So we opened up the core, and it's been great. You know, we just finished our fourth year. We moved into a new location, and business has been great. You know, it, one, once I started doing the core, other opportunities mm. came. Uh, someone from the, from one of the networks in New York called me and said, Hey, um, one of the employees from the Jets said that you live here. Would you like to come down and try this? Um, the show. try to do a television show for us. And I said, "Okay, I haven't watched football in a while, but I'll come I'll come yeah. give it a try." So I go in the studio. Did you feel like out of touch? Like I did a little bit. Yeah. I knew a couple of the guys on the Jets, but it all came back to me. Right. You know, I came home from I came home from doing that show and my wife said, "You liked it, didn't you?" Cuz she was one of those people that was always telling me you should go into commentating. Right. You know so much about the game. You know, you could teach this game in your sleep. And so I did the show live. Um, in studio, it was so much fun for me. It was like I got the same thrill from playing the game wow. as I did, you know, watching it and right. talking about it. And it was really awesome. And then the next year, I went to Stony Brook and did their uh, color commentary for their uh, for their football games mm-hmm. on the radio. The next year, I went to the Pac-12 Network. Following year after that, I went to CBS Sports, and it's kind of just been stacking on each right, other and getting right. more experience. Um, and my my passion for the game has just continued to grow. And you know, the, the football is a, is a wonderful game. It's been so good to me. You know, it brought me out of poverty, uh-huh. gave me an education, brought me to brought me to New York, put yeah. some money in my pocket. I met my wife playing football. I met so many friends playing football, and it's continued. To, to pay my bills and continue to, to fill me up with life, you know, even though I'm done playing. So
0: right. I'm really grateful for the game of football. Do you talk to players now? You're, Cause you've been mm-hmm. basically from beginning to end, like A to Z through all the things that happen to a football player. Yeah. You know, from, you know, being a superstar and like, you know, everyone's like asking for your autograph and I'm sure this will probably do to like getting all your shit sent to you in a box and it's like, you know, it's done. And then kind of going <laughs> through that depression.
1: Yeah. Thing. You know, I, I try to talk to guys. Um, it's it's tough you know because when when you're in the moment when you're playing football that's all you're thinking about because you can't really afford to think about other things outside of the game so i'll try to kick knowledge to some of the younger guys and and tell them to prepare yourself you know while you're in this game use those relationships get business cards see somebody successful ask them what they do because chances are they want to help you they might be a jet fan they might want to they might want to have you do an internship with them and see how their life goes um, that's, those are the kind of things that I did Do you find and they it really helps
0: on like deaf ears most of the time or like, it does,
1: a lot of times it falls on deaf ears, but there are, there's a small group of guys that, that get it, right. They
0: get it while they're playing. And those are the ones that their transition is smooth. Right. Do you think yeah. those are the guys that also like, kind of like how you like work for everything you had mm-hmm. and like kind of came from a tough background. Do you think those are the guys that kind of like their ears are kind of like, yeah, a lot of them, out.
1: but, but you know what? Some, some kids come from a great background. Where, where life was good, and they still have the work ethic right. because maybe you know their father is successful in life, and that's just what they expect out right, of life. Of you know, there's different circumstances. That's yeah. what I love about the game of football. You get men from all different walks of life, yeah. and you put them together and tell them to work together. Right. You know, and that helps out after you're done because now I can go into any room right now and, and have an open conversation with someone because chances are I've met someone from your from your situation so that's what I love about sports and and that's what I love about talking to these to the younger players is opening their eyes while they're playing to see the big picture so when they're done it's easy but um, another job that I had was I was I got hired as director of chapter relations for the NFL Alumni Association and that's a charitable organization nonprofit we help out former players and kids organizations Mm -hmm. so we have 36 chapters at the time. So all, where all the NFL teams are basically. Where all the NFL the series, teams are. Yeah. And I would go around and make sure that each chapter of former players was getting involved in the community. They would throw golf events to raise money for a children's foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, they would throw um, football camps for the youth. You know, that, that was something, another thing that I like to do to give back. And it was great experience. Um, I, I recently left that opportunity and dove into the, my passion, which is in drug rehabilitation. Right you know, something that's near and dear to my heart because of what I went through Absolutely, as a kid, man. what so many other kids are going through. Right. And I figure if I can help a kid see the light, you know, when, when everything is dark, let them see some hope, let them touch me and know that, you know what, this guy made it out from the situation that yeah, I was yeah. in. Maybe I can, I can save one of them. Yeah, but probably save more than one, man. I hope so. So what exactly are you doing? So uh, I'll tell you how I got started. I was, my business partner's at CORE had an IOP, which is an intensive outpatient treatment. Is when someone goes out I of drug like rehab. Is it down basically like by Boca? It's down or in, or yeah, down in uh, Boca, Del mm-hmm. Rey actually. Um, after you get out of drug rehab, it's like um, AA. It's a transitional. It's a transitional right? piece where you go and have meetings, hold yourself accountable, learn how to transition into the real world mm-hmm. from a rehab perspective. Um, There's an opportunity there. They they are opening up a detox. I said Eric, do you want to invest in this? I invested in it partner that partner. yeah I was I was a partner I'm a partner there but I was a silent partner uh-huh. uh, one day I was um, covering a Jets game and I always leave when, I, when they have home games I do the pregame show uh-huh. and I leave early to beat traffic and I'm driving home and I'm listening on the radio and there was an ad for um, a drug prevention uh, a drug prevention um, initiative in New Jersey uh-huh. And they said it was sponsored by the jets huh. and i'm listening and i said you know what let me call the jets and right. let me get involved with this right. i want to be more than a partner i want to get involved and be a voice right. and i called the jets i said is anyone so who do you call no i called like the one of the community relations okay. guys because i know everyone in the right. organization i do a lot of charity work with the jets they're my they're my home team you know i yeah, love the right, jets totally. so i called him i said is there anyone involved with this can i get involved i said you know no one has ever asked Wow. So they connected me with the organization. I went and met the, you know, I met, went and met the state police. So this is like um, a
0: separate organization. A whole separate organization.
1: Okay. But so they, they asked me about the drug. I, I met with the drug task force. I spoke at Candlelight Visuals. I went and spoke to high schools. Wow. Just trying to get involved. And then with, that, with doing that, now for the state of New York, I'm doing public service announcements for drug prevention wow. that will be played in every high school, every college in wow. the state of New York. Um, I took a bigger role with, with our drug prevention, while well, our drug rehab facilities. We're building a facility in Princeton, New Jersey. We just built one in Portland, Maine. Like inpatient. Inpatient yeah. facilities, detox and rehabilitation. Um, trying to get clean people up trying right. to get people off the street I mean, it's but
0: such a crazy especially on places like Portland, Maine
1: it is and you wouldn't think yeah. it you wouldn't think it but uh, you know it, it attacks everyone and it does not discriminate right. you know it's very seldom yeah, that yeah, I meet like someone fancy
0: neighborhoods up in Long Island exactly
1: know, yeah. I, I can, it's very seldom I meet someone that doesn't know anyone affected right. by drug addiction or alcohol addiction so it's, it's nice to go out there and, and speak about it and let people know that there is help out there it's right. um, not just you There's not just you right. you're not alone because that's how I felt Right. When I was young, I thought right. yes. I was the only kid whose parents were addicted to drugs. Right. And if I would have had somebody come and say, listen, Eric, you're not the only one. I can hold your hand through this. It would have made life easier, right. Right. but then it wouldn't have hardened me the way that I'm, right. I'm, I'm hardened right now. And maybe it way. wouldn't have forced me to go out there and help people. Right. So, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. Glasses
0: full, yeah. Out yeah.
1: And so I'm, I'm glad that, that God chose me to be that that vessel, to be that
0: person to, to, to bring light to the issue. Okay. I'm glad to. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey man, listen. I I think we got a pretty good grasp, man, of, of what it takes to be like the kind of man that you are. And I think you're gonna touch a lot of people with this, man. It certainly touch me, and I really appreciate it, man. I mean, this Thank is, you. A, you got a great story, and uh, you know we will get you back and hear some more of it, man. I'd love some to. With the I'd love to. Stuff, and you know it's really, I really appreciate you, man. man I appreciate you. Time to do this, man. This is really amazing stuff. Man. Yeah, my pleasure, man. All right, Eric. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> All right, it's so wrap, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. The video of this podcast can be found on my YouTube channel and on Instagram TV. You can find me on Instagram at dr underscore mudgill. Let's get it.